Welcome to Sullivan Street, where we are going to have uh, what I would call our first international episode. But first, I'll say a good afternoon to my co-host, Chris Miggs. Chris, how are you? Hey, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> and we are delighted to have uh, a n- another new guest. And as I said, our international show where we were going to focus on the Netherlands. So we have what we think is maybe one of the biggest Canon Crows fans in the Netherlands. Uh, Siste, Siste, thank you for joining us. Well, I'm us happy today. to be here. So uh, thanks for having me. So, no, oh, you're, you're welcome. And it, it's actually, I, yeah, we've been wanting to, um, yeah, I, I actually have had a lot of thoughts about the Crow's popularity in other countries. Uh, I guess we actually have talked about in England and, and Ireland a bit. Uh, but uh, here we go on the mainland of Europe and the Netherlands. Uh, so why don't you introduce yourself about how you became a Canon Crow's fan and why you've been sticking with them? Uh, all these years. Yeah, well, uh, maybe it's good to to start off that I was born in uh, 1980, so I was uh, uh, like the the perfect age, I think, uh, to uh, get to know new music, and that's always going to stay with you the rest for, of your life. I mean, it's usually like between your 10th and 20th birthday, something like that, that you pick up on stuff that somehow never never leaves you. And um, um, yeah, to me, that was uh, I must say. Uh, First of all, Nirvana, and then right after that came Counting Crows, because uh, I don't know. Uh, first, I was fa- vaguely aware of them. It wasn't like Love at First Sight, so I knew Mr. Jones, I think, because it was on the radio, and didn't really pay that much attention. And then later, when there were already three albums out, I think, um, yeah, I, I I went back to them and really, really got stuck, got like um, got like a hold of me, and um, yeah. Something that really helped with that, I think, is um, the uh, Across a Wire album uh, with mm. the one rocking CD and, of course, the uh, uh, acoustic stripped-down um, versions of the songs, which um, I actually listened quite a lot to, like, late at night when I couldn't sleep and uh, stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, that, that really got me interested in the band and wanting to get more and more and more of them. Which, which yeah. we will be doing a deep dive and review of very soon. So, at some point, uh, yeah, yeah, and that's I'm because it tracks with me too. I think that you know, hearing the acoustic version of Mr. Jones sort of like opened up my ears as to like what the band was, and that sort of you know, you get you kind of get that steps down, and you're like, oh, like I've heard these songs, but also there's so much more here. And again, to, 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 right, that right age, right. You know, my theory of like, I think you fall in love with this band in college because this is the perfect music for someone who's 18 to 22. It's just like, I don't know. There's something about it that it's like works for people who are older and younger, but like there is something so perfect about being of that age and just, and this music like kind of pulling you along. Um, so did you, had you heard, I know there's, there's a, a big, um, you know, cover. There's a cover of good night, Elizabeth. Right. That was fairly popular in the Netherlands. Had you, um, was that before you got into the band? Was that part of like your slow drift of getting into the it, band? It was or? part of it. Uh, I remember that um, I, I was still in the, in high school. I was around 17, 18 years old. And a friend of mine said, mm-hmm. oh, well, you know, the Dutch version of Goodnight Elizabeth, um, you should check out the original version. And I hadn't really gone to that yet and then you turn that on and you think oh this is something else so um yeah it, it really helped and it was actually done by uh, a, a duo from the netherlands Akta and munich um they they ripped off a, a county crow song more or less uh, on their first album um but maybe <laughs> that's something for later and then they for their second album after they got really really big in the netherlands uh, they did that cover song so i think that actually helped um yeah, draw attention to uh, Counting Crows. Was was that a single that was on the radio? Their "Good Night Elizabeth" cover. I don't think so, but they were uh, pretty much everything uh, that they did at that point was getting big. It was uh, it was like a, yeah, so a, young, people, young people, uh, yeah. everybody wanted to buy the album because it had their breakthrough single on it. So yeah, people were very uh, aware of it. And also, they talked about Counting Crows and how much they liked them, and they were inspired by them uh, in interviews and stuff. So that I think that really helped uh, the Crows to get like a um, yeah more attention in the Netherlands. 
You got me. Yeah. You got me thinking that when you're having trouble sleeping at night, that the uh, Crow's acoustic set isn't a bad uh, album to listen to, as opposed to I'm not the actual song <laughs> I'm not sleeping, which will probably <laughs> wake you up and you'll never yeah, be able yeah. to sleep again. Yeah, it's interesting that that cover is called it, it's Slopzacht. Is that am I yeah. saying it right? Um, which it is such an it's, it's an interesting thing because it's a very faithful cover and it's a very nice version of the song, but the the linguistic difference, like the it does feel like it loses something, the the translation of good night. Like it feels like it maybe that's why your friend was like, no, the original's better. <laughs> you got to hear it. Yeah, maybe that, that's hard for me to judge because, of course, I, I uh, understand uh, every word they sing. So to you, it must sound like like a bunch mm. of strange sounds, I suppose. But uh, but do you think it, it, it works, the Dutch version of this song? I think it's it was it's still it's a very I thought they sound great doing that song. I mean, um, I'm thinking like really just specifically of the the nature of like the the way the words "good night" hit. And again, maybe it's to my ear because maybe it like "slapsacht" is just not as comforting to me. Maybe because it that that line is so meant to be this weird like kind of comforting thing. So that if it's not if it were anything almost if it weren't comforting to you. It it you lose some of that impact, but maybe that would just be true in any language, any translation. Yeah, of good and, night, and of course, um, Dutch is notorious for having like the hard uh, sound, so slap zacht. I can imagine that doesn't uh, yeah. it doesn't sound very <laughs> pleasing to every ear, but it's it's something that yeah you could easily say to um, a child or a loved one before they go to sleep. So it's not yeah to me it's not weird, but I can imagine that your ears it sounds different. No, oh, weird, but yeah. And I'll just uh, note that um, we are going to we're going to talk about a few songs and a few videos over the course of the podcast, and we uh, I will create a video playlist. And so, for example, you'll be able to listen to the uh, Dutch band's cover of uh, "Good Night Elizabeth," uh, etc. Uh, so, 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 we're we're going to talk about a couple different things, but one of them, I guess, let's just start off right away, which is that I think there's two. That if you talk to a counting of a pretty hardcore counting crows fan and you say to them what connections uh do uh the counting crows have in the netherlands i think there's a couple that come across as pretty obvious um i think the first one actually be might be because so for example we're going to talk about bluff but i think some fans wouldn't even know that they're dutch they might just know oh they're from europe somewhere yeah um, but I think a lot of hardcore crows fans do know that about that live album uh the Heineken Music Hall, which we don't need to review today. That that might be another uh, podcast, which we will get you on. But maybe for the both of you, say something about it. It was quite a popular... Um, I think it sold pretty well, actually, for a live album at that time. And uh, what I kept forgetting, and Chris reminded me recently, uh, is that uh, that recording was kind of a best of, right? That they recorded three different shows uh, and took some of the best parts. And uh, Siste, you said that you were actually at one yeah, of those that, shows. So yeah, that's right. That's, that's that. the first time I saw them live. It was uh, 2003, I think, right? And um, yeah, so it was uh, mm-hmm. uh, right in that um, spot that we really got into them. And of course, seeing them live also really helped to uh, transform into a, a Crows fan. Um yeah, they've played uh, at the Heineken Music Hall, which has a different name now, uh, by the way. Um, but still, um, quite quite a lot. And um, yeah, I think they probably picked that spot because they had a, a, a bit of a connection with the Dutch uh, audience. And uh, yeah, I, I think that's why they picked it. And I uh, was very excited to be there. I don't think that I knew that they were recording a live album. I just got tickets for a show and then... Um, yeah, when I went there, they, we saw the cameras and, and and everything, and I was there not for the acoustic show. I think they did one night with just uh, more uh, lay down uh, stuff. Oh, okay. If I rem- remember correctly, but um, yeah, my, one of my memories is that um, I think uh, "Have You Seen Me Lately" was the first song they played, and I was mm-hmm. a little bit worried be- because of that. I mean, starting a show off with a, with a, a get away from me, I, I thought, oh, maybe he's like in a, in a bad <laughs> mood or something, because that that's something else that uh, from from inter- interviews and stories you got. I didn't really know what to make of, especially Adam. Like 
he seemed to be uh, having like mood swings, not being very uh, stable, at least in, in the stories that I, I heard. So I thought, well, maybe he's not into it at all. And it's just like the first message you get as an audience. But that was no problem at all. They, they played a really, really great show and it was all, uh, yeah, it was all good fun. So, uh, yeah, you, I've never thought said- about that because that's a common opener. And I'm sure I've seen them open with that at some point, but that opening with like, get away yeah, from I me. Yeah, I thought, okay, but, <laughs> but, pretty... but I bought a ticket. <laughs> right. And, and, okay. There's like, is there going to be more? There's, I don't want to yeah. get away yet. Um, and also I must say, I'm, I'm always a little bit, um, well, maybe you could call it nervous or a little bit, um, I feel a bit of tension before I go to a show. If I really want to see it, I'm always like nervous. Mm-hmm. Or am I standing in the right spot? Is it going to be good? Uh, you like a little bit, Right. restless right before a show so uh, maybe it was just me were, and were you a and were you a pretty big fan before you went to that show i mean i know you said it helped you but was it one of your favorite bands even then and that was you know yeah i think so or i think did you so become more but, of a big fan it's, after it's like okay. yeah um yeah it's like one step at a time and um going to a show was yeah. was like mm. a, a step to get to the next level i think after that i got into um there was like this trading system online that you could actually get mm-hmm. CDs with live shows. And yeah, I don't know if, if you can verify this, but I think the band actually f- facilitated that, that you could trade CDs amongst fans. Or was I, uh, in fact, almost... Yeah, yeah, they, were, they had a website that kind of helped that yeah. along. I think they, there was like an official website that was, or it was a very a well-sanctioned website that... Um, and I can't think of the name of it oh, right I forgot now. As well, um, yeah. but I'm with you. That was definitely a thing at the yeah, time. Yeah, you you got some uh, um, CDs by the mail. I, I forgot that if you had to pay for yeah. it or whatever, <laughs> probably. But uh, how how it worked? But uh, well, you had to send blanks and you, blanks and postage was the thing, right? Blanks. So you had to send them someone a blank CD and enough postage to get the CDs right. to you. Um, which I did some, that was also, if you remember, like, that's the very beginning of, like, internet downloads, right? Where, like, someone would post, like, MP3s of a show, and so there were a few. And I actually think the Heineken Hall show from 2002 was one of the earlier ones that I remember getting. Um, and just here, and again, because, you know, we I sent it around to everyone. There's an, um, the Heineken Hall show in 2002 was recorded for um, a, a radio broadcast. And has one of my favorite versions of Goodnight Elizabeth because the crowd just like takes it over and like just starts singing, which, well, again, I never had thought like made the connection of like, oh, yeah, that song was a hit in the Netherlands. And so the crowd just knows the song and they're singing. But to hear a crowd sing, even on a, this, a pristine, it's also kind of cool. They must have mic the crowd well because it's a very pristine like radio broadcast, but you can hear the crowd perfectly um, as they're singing Goodnight Elizabeth. And you can kind of hear Adam like adjusting to it because he's not used to a crowd singing along to Goodnight Elizabeth, which I think kind of comes back to the way that, you know, the the Dutch and, the, you know, Netherlands as a whole have had that relationship to the Crows where the crowds always do seem to be like kind of pushing them on in a certain way. There's always been, it seems like just a real excitement around the band um, from, again, from our perspective, just watching videos, you know, I haven't been to the Netherlands for a show, but was that kind of your experience too, that the crowd was really kind of, like lifting things uh, up yeah absolutely but then again i've never seen the crows outside of the netherlands so i don't know uh, how, how that works so uh, <laughs> we have like uh, uh we we both don't have like uh, the right uh, experience to make like a fair comparison then again um it's not um, like an exact science um but it, it it does make sense that um because of the cover version especially goodnight elizabeth got a lot of attention and people were really into that song and uh, started to sing along and also i think um adam at one point during a show in the netherlands said that um made a comment like um when they were starting uh, when it started happening for them in europe it started uh, happening in the in the netherlands first so i think heineken musical mm. was like one of the first times in europe at least that they could uh, go to a bigger venue which was the Heineken musical. Uh, it was like uh, one of the mm. first countries where they got invited for uh, one of the bigger festivals. Uh, so they went to Pink Pop. And uh, the cool thing is that uh, somehow there was something that stayed because they've played uh, Heineken Hall a lot of times. I've even saw them uh, earlier this year uh, playing it. They're in the top three bands um, 
that have uh, the most um, appearances on the Pink Pop Festival. So yeah, they keep mm-hmm. being asked back and they keep oh, cool. going. Well, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, it's true, it's 97 yeah. is the first year they play Pink Pop. And I don't think they play. It's not like they're playing Glastonbury that year. Like they're really like it's Pink Pop and then other just shows. I don't think they played any. Certainly, if they played another festival in '97, it wasn't as one as big as Pink Pop. Or, um, or maybe on the reaction stage, for that because we watched also a difference, right? Yeah, maybe. But yeah, the Pink Pop that video because we watched uh, Eric. We watched one of those during the we were doing the round here. There's a version of Pink uh, of round here from '97 at Pink Pop where again the crowd is just losing their mind <laughs> and it's awesome it's just a great it's just one again one of the best i think we had it as one of the best versions of, of round I here think in that so i we might even at. put that as one of my to- as one of my personal top if i remember correctly um yeah just to give some uh yeah we'll talk about pink pop some more it looks like pink, pink pop has up to 100 well you know 70 to 100 thousand that sometimes attend there at least for, you know i don't know how many is next to the stage uh the heineken music hall i just looked it up is is about six thousand. i think there that seems like a, a, a nice venue um did you there's just one thing i wanted to say which was that you um uh you said that the oh that you said I, um adam referred to the you gave me some notes before the show and you said adam referred to the uh heineken music hall which has a new name um earlier this year when they played there again did you want to elaborate yeah, well, on it, that? it was just like a, a a funny comment because uh, the name of the venue changed and then he said um like oh i got the tour schedule and i said oh cool we're going back to amsterdam oh this is a new venue oh i'm, I'm very curious and then he talked about and when mm-hmm. we got there he said it's just the fucking Heineken Hall. We know this place. <laughs> so it was more like a funny uh, funny story about that. Yeah. Okay. So let, let's go into um, where, what I would call number two that, that and I think most, hard, although casual Crows fans, I think would not know. I think if you went to even a sold out venue in the US and you just went to people that only see them on tour, I think they would not know about this holiday in Spain with Bluff. And even, as I said, even kind of quote unquote hardcore fans who do know about it, they might not know they're from the Netherlands, right? They might say, oh, are they German or Finnish or, you know, who knows? Um, but they are from the Netherlands. So one, I do want you to talk about Bluff as a band and how popular they are and how, um, you know, and then how popular that song was. But I did want to, and I went to the, and I had heard this before, but I just went to Wikipedia again right now, just, just to let the Crows fans know, like, this wasn't just like, Oh, uh, Dutch Counting Crows fans were excited that um, Bluff teamed up with one of their favorite American bands. Like, no, it was a nationally very popular mainstream song. And in fact, um, the Holiday in Spain uh, cover with or not cover, sorry, joint song, I guess, with Bluff hit number one in the Netherlands was considered the second best, uh, second most popular song in the Netherlands in 2004. Um, and then, uh, sold. What was number one, Eric? I wish I don't wish I knew. I do not know. And, um, and in fact, actually hit number 18 in their top 20 songs of the decade in the Netherlands and, uh, and sold quote unquote platinum sales. But for those that don't know, it's not a million sales in the Netherlands. It's only, you know, a little less than a hundred thousand. but it was very popular. So did you want to talk about that phenomenon and also just maybe give us some background on bluff, how popular they were, how popular they are? Yes. Well, they are a very well-known band in the Netherlands, uh, bluff. Uh, I must say I'm, I'm not their biggest fan. I mean, they're, they're like, an okay band. They're they're quite notorious actually for uh, their uh, sometimes uh, nonsensical lyrics. So, <laughs> of course, again, that's something that wouldn't bother you, of course. But uh, in the Netherlands, uh, they sometimes get criticized for that. But uh, now they're like an, an an okay band to me. But uh, in general, they are pretty big. They're one of the uh, yeah most successful Dutch bands um, in the Netherlands, at least. Uh, of course, um, of the past uh, couple of. Uh, of decades even yeah in uh, preparation for this podcast uh i listened to another podcast which is all about uh 30 years of bluff and it has like a special episode uh about their uh connection and their cooperation with uh, with the crows so um yeah they they told the whole story there uh, i have to can't, can't uh, um, tell it all but um it started off with them being fans. They actually went to see Counting Crows twice uh, before they even were a professional band. And then they were like inspired by them. 
Um, they also describe a scene where they saw um, the band standing some uh, somewhere after a show and they were too shy to ask for an autograph. So uh, <laughs> I thought it was pretty cute. Um, <laughs> but later they became successful uh, on their own. Uh, and then uh, I think it was a record company who suggested that they should do um, a team up. And apparently Adam said hmm. that that was okay, but he demanded that they would write some Dutch lyrics for the, for the song because we just another guy singing the original's lyrics that wouldn't add too much, um, he felt. Mm. So, um, yeah, they, they did that. And it was, uh, like you said, it was like a huge uh, uh, success here. It was, uh, yeah, it was a big, big hit. And um, you would hear it playing on the radio and, and in the in the mall yeah, or whatever. Yeah, and I would be, and, uh, I'm sure. The, the grumpy guy saying, well, I kind of like the original version better, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> It's the same with uh, Big Yellow Taxi, I suppose. Like some people say, well, you know, we don't really need Vanessa Carlton on here, but um, it's, uh, it's okay. It, it's it's yeah. always been my understanding that 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 the vast majority of Dutch, particularly, I guess, if you're under the age of forty, speak, you know, pretty good uh, English, uh, and so that it must be kind of neat to have, you know, a song that right half and half, right, half Dutch, half English. Is that is that true? Is that stereotype true? on uh, Dutch language ability? Um, yeah, I, I think most people are able to um, to understand English lyrics, so that, that, that that's not a problem. And um, yeah, a bilingual song is like a special thing. I mean, it doesn't happen too much. So uh, yeah, I, I, I guess that, that draws, drew some extra attention to it. But it was mainly the song itself, of course, and the fact that we had these two bands cooperate. And again, I think it's very interesting that it was apparently something that uh, went on after that. I mean, uh, at first it was the idea of the record company, but they stayed in touch. They had several uh, um, occasions that they performed live. Later, uh, Counting Crows featured mm -hmm. on a Bluff album. So they more or less did it the other way around uh, as well. Mm. So, um, yeah, uh, it's very interesting to see that uh, that also was like a long-term connection that was established, not like a one-off thing. Yeah. I mean, the other really interesting thing about, well, I guess two, one is that that single was two years after Hard Candy was released. So there was definitely a lag there. And the other one, as far as I, I mean, Holiday in Spain is a great song. It's a uh, now a song that I think most even casual fans know because they play it so much in concert and it, and it is a, it is a great song, but also was I mean, I think what's fascinating about choosing that song for a mashup or whatever is that it was not a single in the U.S., yeah, so. it's a ballad and a beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I actually think that version of the song, though, is phenomenal. I'm really a fan of the stuff that Adam does towards the end, um, like post the last chorus. Um, yes. You know, making the best of all yeah. that's yeah. left of me. Like, like I, I don't want to butcher that yeah. too badly, but yeah. I think that stuff, because I think it, it, it's one of Adam's strengths, actually, is singing, like, not quite backing vocals but counterpoint it's one of the things we talked yeah. about eric when you know why i really love so long so long is yeah, the way adam absolutely. is singing against him and what he does there it's so cool and I, again i don't even really know what pascal i sort of have a sense from the original <laughs> lyrics of what pascal is singing um in the back half but i think that's it's if you, if you haven't heard it it's really really worth seeking out um because it's just, I think, a really cool vocal performance from Adam. And as you said, there's a lot of great... They performed that song live a bunch of times. And they did some like joint stuff that's very, very cool. They did um, some Crow songs, some Bluff songs. They, there's a, uh, I know on YouTube there's a version of The Smiths, There is a Light That Never Goes Out that they did together. Um, it's an, it's an inter it, yeah, it's, it became an interesting partnership. Um, I will point out quickly that I'm pretty sure the number one song in the Netherlands that year... Um, was uh, Dragosti Dinte by Ozone. <laughs> that was number one for like two months straight. But oh. that knocked off Holiday in Spain was number one for five weeks in the Netherlands, which is pretty good. I mean, that's... <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's one of the it's a summer song, and it's a summer song, which is always the... It's like nothing like nothing like Holiday in Spain <laughs> for a sad song about getting dumped for... <laughs> And, well, and of course, by the way, the 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 the, the European uh, uh, the, you know 
nationals can can relate to having a holiday in Spain, right? That's why I laughed at when I heard the song being played in England. Yeah. They loved it because the England, the Brits are always having their holiday in Spain and getting drunk. So, so that was the that, that's a great song. So I don't know. That made me think of, of that too. By the way, one right. of the few songs on films about ghosts, I think, because of their success, that again, it was not an official single in the U.S., but made their uh, greatest hits. And I think part of that mm-hmm. was because of the success in the in the yeah, Netherlands. Probably. So. But they did um, put on the original version on, other... uh, on that one, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Which yeah. makes that, sense that, for that the international market. That also... yeah. Yeah. Have you gotten to see any of the team-ups with uh, Bluff and Counting Crows live over the years? No. no, never. Um, they didn't do that many, so that kind of makes sense. And um, I, I... Yeah, there's only like a couple. There's like two or three. It's no, not a lot. Last right? time I saw like... Counting Crows uh, uh, earlier this year, um, they closed off with Holiday in Spain, and they said, well, I really wish our friends from Bluff could be here, but they could make it something like that. But uh, So they did refer to them. I haven't seen that. Also because I've never been to the uh, Concert at Sea Festival, which is like uh, Bluff's own festival, more or less. Um, they, uh, they organize every year, but it's from their region of the Netherlands. And uh, that's not really near where I live. So I've, I've, I've never been there, actually. Oh, you told us before we started in the two-minute pre-talk that you had a little fun fact for the Americans, which was that bluff, which is spelled B-L-O with the line that almost looks like a computer zero, F, that that letter is not a no, it's letter. No, maybe from the dialect uh, <laughs> of where the bluff guys are, are, are from. But uh, no, I, I can imagine that uh, if you're... Um... From, uh, from the United States that you think, well, it's probably just like a, a common Dutch thing to do that. But uh, no, it's, it's, it's not at all. It's just something I suppose they made up to, you know, to have like something special in their name. Like if you see the visual, you immediately know, oh, it's them. Or, or oh, it's from their own yeah. dialect. Yeah. I'm, uh, could, could, or, or maybe both. It's also possible. Yeah. It's, do, like, do, it's like the Dutch version of Motley Crue. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Right. With, that's with that's the, probably the our American. That's right? the perfect metaphor. Why is it? There's no, um, it's crew. It's just, so you're just saying crew. It's not like there's, <laughs> you know, it was funny. One thing you said, um, uh, Sista, oh, in, in the, in your opening statement, which, which was pretty interesting. And I don't know how much we talked about it, but just a little observation I had, which is that I think sometimes when people think of the crows and quote unquote nineties music, and then sometimes, you know, uh, crows get, stuck with uh, the label of, of their acoustic or their folk or folk uh, alt country or whatever. I think a lot of people don't real. And, Oh, if you like the crows, then you like train and Hootie and the blowfish and Dave Matthews, which all of that might be true. But I, I think people don't realize that a lot of kind of crows fans also like a lot of the, even though they were maybe the trans yeah, part of that grunge, you know, transition, but a lot of crows fans also liked Nirvana and Pearl Jam and, 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 and harder music of, of that time as well. So I think you kind of corroborated. Yeah. That and maybe that, um, with your... that may sound strange to some people because they're like two different genres, but if you compare them to Nirvana, they both at least have a, um, a singer with a with a voice that you either love or hate, and there's a lot of emotion going on there. They're always giving it 100. Uh, percent Some people think, oh, it's it's whiny or just uh, screaming, but if you pick up on the emotion and you, um, yeah, um, can hear them also deliver the melody really strongly, I think I think that's like a common thing they share. Yeah, and in the uh, not to go off the side too much, but I also and I could be wrong about this, but I also think that kind of marked near the end of an era, like uh, maybe wrapping up around two thousand, where you, the radio would play maybe a wide variety of the types of songs in the United States. I know I go to other countries, by the way, like Ireland and, and Eastern Europe and and Australia, where the top forty music station will still play a lot of genres. Where now it's hyper um, focused in the U.S. So uh, yeah, if I went to yeah. my college, you know, a friend CD player, he'd uh, you know have a lot of hip hop and a lot of really hard rock and a lot of softer rock, whatever. So anyway, maybe the you're science. starting to sound like Adam Eric. Yeah, like oh, that's an Adam complaint say- too. No, because he he's talked about that because he grew up in San Francisco, right? Where oh, he talked okay. about like the radio stations would play all these things, and you'd hear the Grateful Dead against jazz, against rock, against all like yeah. all these different things, and so. His, his taste is obviously if you listen to any of his radio shows, right, his taste is very, very broad. And I think he would have the same complaint that people are too narrow minded about what if, if you like Counting Crows, you'll like 
Goo Goo Dolls. Yes. Like, well, if you like Counting Crows, you might like a lot of different things. Um, exactly. In which I think Spotify. is part of. I will actually say, I will put it a plug in for um, if you have Sirius XM, which I know, unfortunately, I don't think they have in, in Europe. But um, for those in the US, uh, John Mayer's new station on there um, of who they the, the band toured with uh, called Life Channel 14 pl- plays Counting Crows and plays a very wide variety of music. It's actually, again, one of the reasons I like that station is it's just very mm. genre agnostic. But then also you drop in, oh, by the way, here's Long December up against, you know, a Bonnie Raitt song, up against a Billie Eilish song, up against, right. you know. So um, John Mayer is trying to bring it back uh, <laughs> I like it. on I its like own. That. And, and Counting Crows is in the uh, uh, in the thing, so. Yeah, well, yeah, no, and that's, uh, right, the sign of the times. Well, now we have a whole podcast on the Counting Crows, so I do, so I don't want to be a <laughs> hypocrite and say that, that that people are too focused sometimes. Um, uh, just, can you, just one clarification, and just because we probably won't get back to it, when you talked about the one group, what is it, Octa the Munich? and the, yeah. the, the Munich? Yeah. And uh, they covered Goodnight Elizabeth, and a lot of people knew that cover in the Netherlands because that uh, album was so popular. Did you want to make a comment or clarify a little more about um, – the uh, that they quote unquote ripped off part of Murder of yeah. One in one of their songs, and and you can pronounce the name yeah. of the song because I don't I, I won't. Uh, do it yeah, justice. it's called uh, "Lopen tot de zon komt," which means like um, walking until the sun comes up. And um, it, it, if you would uh, turn it on and listen to it, you wouldn't pick up on it because the music is totally different. It's like a piano ballad, uh, but the lyrics are. Roughly 50% of it is, is a, a literal translation of uh, Murder of One. And <laughs> okay. they got um, called on. Um, how do you say it? Called? Some, somebody called, called, called out. out. Called, called, called out yeah. They got called out on that. And then they said on the forum, they said, yeah, we were working on a translation of uh, a Murder of One and didn't really finish it. And then that somehow poured into this new song. So that's how they uh, explained it, which very well might be true because they later they um, actually did a um, cover version with a translation so that's that's possible but uh, they uh, they should uh, yeah they should have credited uh, counting crows for the whole scene look outside your window see me I'm standing there in the snow they they, they took all of that so I thought uh, yeah I thought, I thought it was pretty uh, yeah. uh, interesting yeah, I mean, it's cool. I mean, I, I think stuff like that is cool, as, as again, as long as you give the proper credit and you give them some song, you know, if you're taking, like, whole chunks of lyrics, like, you should you should give them yeah, songwriting well, they, credit. They, yeah, they I said mean, it I was, like, I'm subconsciously, like... they when they were working on other songs, mm. it, it slipped into it. Um, who knows? Yeah, but if it's uh, if, if it ends up being subconsciously, but it's half the lyrics, yeah. you know? <laughs> True. By I'm way, sure they worked that out again and again. I'm sure they the crows made a good bit of money off the cover of Goodnight Elizabeth too. Yeah, and and right, like like the, I said, they they always uh, promoted Counting Crows uh, in in interviews and stuff. So I think they uh, repaid them uh, at least in that way. Any well, other well, memories of seeing the band that you? Uh, sorry, if that if that was no, that, please, that's fine. Yeah. Oh, is there any any other memories of seeing the band either at like Ping Pop or other? Like any sort of special memories of, of seeing the band live? Um, well, the, the first time always makes the biggest uh, impression. Um, I, <laughs> the friend uh, that I went to with, um, uh, we always, when we talk about that show, uh, we talk about the moment where st- uh, uh, we were standing uh, at the bar and I said to him, oh, uh, uh, move a step aside. And then he did. And then I picked up uh, 50 euros, which was a fortune when I was a student, so we could get, get extra beer. <laughs> but of course, it doesn't have uh, anything to do with the band. Um no, I, I just realized uh, I have seen them outside of the Netherlands once at a festival in Belgium, but they were programmed very, very early on the day. So by the time we got to the stage, they were already playing pretty much the last song. And I'm I'm always hoping for Long uh. December because I think it's it's their best song in the end. Uh, and that was the song they played. So I saw I saw just the one song and it, it was my favorite. So that was uh, that was nice. Did have you? Um, we didn't mention this yet, and I did want to talk about Pink Pop a, a little bit. Uh, had have you seen them? No, at Pink I haven't Pop at all. No, sorry. <laughs> I and 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 I uh, and that's fine. I just you know again. I, I I've never lack, even I don't been have to any Pink other. Pop, so. uh, okay. And, and I again just for um, 
just for fans out there that don't know, I, you can tell us a little background, but it's basically their huge music festival. I'm guessing it's near Amsterdam, but it's somewhere in the Netherlands. Yeah, well, and in, it's in, annual, in, right? In, in, in and, some people's perspective, uh, everything in the Netherlands is near Amsterdam. So uh, we sometimes Amsterdam, have a different yeah. feeling about that. <laughs> From American yeah, yeah, perspectives, yeah. <laughs> but um, not, not really. And, um, I mean, you could. Take a train from okay. there, and you'll get there. But it's not like a, it's not like an Amsterdam festival or anything. Landgraaf. And is it is it a multi day yeah, festival? Yeah, usually it's, uh, uh, it is. It's it's the whole weekend. Okay, and I'll link one of the videos um, to to the podcast descript- description where I think it's uh, I forget now, but I think it's a 2003. I think the entire um, concert is there, or their their entire set, which maybe is ten or eleven songs. But I, the reason I know about Pink Pop, and actually to be honest, I used to get confused when I first learned about it. I for some reason kept thinking it was in Belgium a lot, even though it's in yeah, the but Netherlands. It's, it's, and it's in but, the south um, of the Netherlands, so it's pretty. Close to Belgium, it's as close to Belgium as it is okay. to Amsterdam. Okay, right. thank, thank thank you for that clarification. Uh, and and I even mentioned once in, in another podcast, and actually somebody commented about it on on Reddit, is that I that there's a couple performances, and the one that really stood out was Miami, but there's other ones, and I think it was all from that show that I at the time, so in 2005, let's say. That was my favorite Counting Crows concert, and they had a YouTube video about it. But what I loved is, I, first of all, I thought their energy was great because they had all those people listening. But the, it wasn't just the people, because again, you go to an American um, outdoor music festival, and there might be tens of thousands of people there, but half of them aren't paying attention, or half of them don't know the band, or whatever. But this one, the Crows were playing you know, some of their best songs, and the crowd was so into it. And if you look at Murder of One and see tens of thousands of people in 2003, um, not even 1995, jumping up and down into it, and Miami, which I think is their best performance of Miami ever, partly because the crowd got so into it. I, I, yeah, it used to give me actually the chills. So I, I don't know if you've, uh, but that's how I knew about Pink Pop. I don't know if you've watched, uh, I'm guessing you've watched most of those uh, videos of, of, of Pink Pop or some of them. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, in the 90s, when I was a, a, a teenager, it was it was kind of like a thing that when Pink Pop w- was on, uh, there were a lot of shows were broadcasted on TV. So we got together with friends and hang out and and uh, and check out uh, the performances. So, uh, yes, hearing myself saying this, uh, I'm thinking, like, why did I ever go there? I mean. I've been to other festivals and shows and stuff, but somehow never um, went to Pink Pop. It, yeah, maybe because it's like the most "quote unquote" mainstream festival that we've got here in the Netherlands. Mm. May have something uh, to do with that, but uh, yeah. yeah, no, uh, absolutely, they did some uh, really, really great performances there, and uh, yeah, they made quite an quite an uh, impression because they got asked back a lot. So uh, that's why we have so many Pink Pop performances. Yeah, there's of yeah, the there- crows. There's, there's at least four, like, right? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Right, because it's 97, 2000, 2003, 2008. Off the top of my head, there maybe there's one more that I'm forgetting. Yeah, there's some more recent um, ones but yeah, as well. Yeah, they've got asked back. Cause... Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah, as I said, there's nothing because, you know, we probably won't see that. Right, because the Crows, even in their, uh, you know, heyday, didn't usually sell out large arena, uh, large state, you know, football stadiums or anything like that. So just just to see so many uh, tens of thousands. And then, right, in a country that they were not from, to be that passionate and that into it, yeah, as I said, always just yeah, a treat. For, so for, somehow for, there's like a, a spark between the audience and the band that's like... Uh, ask them both on something yes. like that because I I, I, I yeah. thought it was yeah. really funny that you said that oh yeah uh, here in, in in America uh, people don't pay attention and stuff like that uh, I actually heard about the term uh, the Dutch disease which is people uh, talking uh, during a concert uh, so I, oh. I I kind of thought that it was like a, a, a bad habit from the Dutch but hearing you saying this maybe maybe every country thinks that of themselves like oh. <laughs> yeah so some more some more than others i i, yeah. I, th- I think but no but that might be true because i think americans thing is like oh freaking americans <laughs> people and again i think because maybe and again because we're seeing we're also seeing i guess eric right we see the giant crowd but we're seeing the front of the crowd that's very excited but there may be some assholes in the back 
you know, yeah, that are, <laughs> that are talking. True. Although they did, although they did, the, the, the shots that used to give me the chills, they actually did some sweep above the entire crowd with some kind of uh, above, mm. dur- during some of the, 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 the really passionate parts. So of course, I'm focusing on the people jumping, not the people sitting down, but uh, yeah. Um, so, okay, that's, that's, that's great. So those were the main things. And, um, I did want, before we get into some of the actual, or we were going to talk about a particular show and maybe a couple other uh, videos that you wanted to highlight. Uh, but I did also, we can't mention the Cannon Crows and Netherlands without mentioning that there is a song called on a Tuesday in Amsterdam long, uh, long ago which which you correctly pointed out and i have to admit i did not really know for example two years ago but i did know a year ago that half of that song if not more is is focusing on dublin but the uh the name uh, uh you know has amsterdam in it did you have any uh comment about that yeah of uh, course it, it, it sticks out to me as a dutchman uh, uh i also think it's a good song and i really had to think of it um because when i listened to an early um a show of County Crows, which we're going to talk about later. Uh, Adam tells the story that um, he uh, went to Amsterdam to quit music a few years earlier. And he said something like, but that didn't work out. So now I'm a, <laughs> now I'm a professional singer. Um, so uh, I don't really know all the details about it, but I thought it was interesting. I, I guess that's what the song is about, that he went there maybe trying to start something else, maybe... Uh, have have a loved one there. I'm 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 not a hundred percent sure, but um, I'm not sure it is. He's because he sort of said at some point that that song is like a counterpoint to "Accidentally in Love" that they were written around the same time, hmm. and that he like "Accidentally in Love" is the happy song about being in love, and "On a Tuesday in Amsterdam" is like about like what if it goes wrong which of, of course it did because it's adam duritz and <laughs> we're, we're, there wouldn't there'd be no there'd be no albums if, if things had gone right um but yeah so i think it's about really just about being in amsterdam um and having these feelings and i guess maybe the girl maybe it's about Gemma hayes because we talks about like going to dublin because she was irish maybe maybe she's the the subject there i've never actually thought about that uh part but um yeah, I am is- curious about why both get mentioned. And as I said, for which is so silly because I I rip on other. Uh, Asuste, you would appreciate that you know Americans' geography skills are are, are often very much <laughs> lacking, and I like to be very critical of other Americans. But then I had no idea that Stevens Green was even though I'd heard of it so much. I never actually knew it was in Dublin until I visited. I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot. That. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, Which is, I, well, I'm like, why is it in I New Googled York it songs? myself as well, but I was uh, pretty sure that it wasn't in Amsterdam and it wasn't in the Netherlands. So I thought, um, <laughs> why is he mentioning this place? And then that's how I knew that it was in Dublin, actually. And, of course, he mentions the city as well. Um, also, I think he yeah. pre- premiered uh, the song uh, during a show in Rotterdam, uh, which is kind of funny because those two cities are like the biggest rivals in the Netherlands that you can think of. So I can imagine that some people in the crowd didn't really appreciate it, that he started to sing a song about Amsterdam in Rotterdam. But uh... it's, it's, it's ironic, right? Because, yeah, there's that song had circulated like four years before it came out. And it's from a version of performance 2004, but in Rotterdam. Yeah. Just, I guess he was just like feeling the Netherlands, not assume, you know. Ho- hopefully, he didn't get they didn't throw no, things at him. It's, it's not that um, bad when he started and, singing. And about probably uh, <laughs> m- most people in the crowd, well, pretty much all the people in the crowd are a fan of the band, and also they probably didn't all come from <laughs> Rotterdam. They probably came from all over the country to see them, so <laughs> it's not a big thing. I just thought it was funny that they uh, maybe expected just a little bit more when he announced the title, like. <laughs> People going crazy. Yeah, it's oh, our city. So well, maybe not, not that much. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is interesting, and as I said, it was actually a joy. But when I was in Dublin last year for the first time, and it it, it is funny that um, I don't know. You, I guess you could do a Cannon Crows, uh, you know, I don't know, world travel or or, or go to the you know go to Omaha just because he sings about Omaha. But I I did laugh that I was like I can't even go to a park here without without thinking of <laughs> thinking the crows. And it's so depressing too. And I was walking by myself, I think at night the one time, and I was like, here I am going through Stevens Green and kind of melancholy, uh, just like maybe Adam was at, at some yeah. point. Yeah, yeah, I think you're supposed to be. I think I think you were matching the tone of the song. 
And by the way, did you did you you know we like to hear when the themes come up in in Carrie's uh, Crow mm-hmm. songs? It's not exactly, but I, uh, one thing that always caught me about that song is that um, they mentioned about things being on a. It's not across the wire, but they mentioned about strung on a wire and a girl on a wire. So just I guess a wire reference because I don't hear about wires mentioned in a lot of songs. Uh, so only that, in that the always, circus, right? That connection always hit me too. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I guess we could go into, so I guess I hit the, I think we hit the, the main, uh, topics that we wanted to cover about why a lot of Crows fans, uh, connect the kind of Crows to, to the Netherlands. I did want to talk about, and I'm, again, I'm going to have a playlist or I already have a playlist on our YouTube page before we review this 1994 show. Uh, the videos that we're going to put on the uh, crows on the playlist is on a Tuesday in Amsterdam. Uh, that's uh, Slop Zock Elizabeth, the Good Night Elizabeth cover. Uh, round here at Pink Pop, uh, you uh, mentioned. Did you want to? Oh, which which uh, Chris is right. We talked about this in the Round Here episode. Uh, one that I did not know of. So thank you for sending it to me, uh, uh, Sista. Is the that with Bluff they did a Sullivan Street. Uh, joint song. Did you want to comment yeah, on that? I, I think it's an awesome version. And uh, like I said before, I'm not the biggest Bluff fan, but I think uh, this just uh, really works very well, especially because it's a little bit more um, upbeat and the two guys are singing together, working off uh, on each other. I, th- I think that, that works really, really well. So uh, I thought I'd throw that in there uh, also because I figured that m- most people probably wouldn't be familiar with it so uh and i I think it's a very different take of the song so it's um it's bringing something new to the table and i guess that's what happened so thank you for sending that and one more did you want to comment on the uh, what is it went in on september uh with bluff i'm sorry what what, what, what Um, is that yeah that was um the um that was actually like a holiday in spain in reverse because uh this time um they worked together on a bluff song oh okay uh at like a, a project where they would uh, travel all around the world, uh, all around the world, and uh, work with uh, local musicians. And when Counting Crows guys heard of that project, they said, "Oh, then you should come to New York, and we can uh, record together." So they uh, spent some time there. So uh, it was um, them contributing to a bluff song, and uh, another, um, yeah, interesting uh, aspect of that, of course, is is that it's called Venom on September. So it's like. Uh, I have to get used to September and uh, I immediately think, okay, so first we got August and everything after, and now you're making a (laughs) song about September, but. uh, Right. And then, and then, and then their most popular song or one of the most popular songs about a long December. So we would like to complete, complete the calendar at some point. Yeah. There's only like nine to go. (laughs) (laughs) Did um, Chris, did you want to quickly, then we'll get into the 1994 show. Did you want to mention about some of the other videos that you are going, or that we are going to add to the uh, Sullivan street playlist for this episode? Oh, I think we're just going to we're going to try to put together all the things that we've been talking about. I feel like we've dropped in a few things about uh, Bluff and Holiday in Spain and some of the collaborations and things like that. And I found that video you were talking about, Eric, that the Pink Pop 2003, which I've seen as well, is Great. tremendous. Some Every Crows fan should watch that whole show. It's fantastic. Um, so, yeah, we'll kind of get it all together. So anyone who's listening to this and is like, I want to go do a deep dive on some of the stuff you're talking about. We'll have it all there for you. Okay, great. So uh, to to wrap up the show, let's spend a little time talking about um, what the Siste recommended to us as one of his favorite Counting Crows Dutch bootlegs, which I'm guessing you were not at the show. And I think we said it was 1994 um, in, and you can pronounce me, uh, what is it, the, the Melkweg? Is that? Yeah, that's that's close enough. Is that the name of the city or the venue? The venue, okay. The venue. Yeah, it's in it's in Amsterdam. Okay, so the um, the translation, right. Eric, is Milky Way. Is that true? It's the Milky Way. Yes. Oh, cool. Uh, did you so so any so we'll we'll go through some of the observations about that show, but overall, one reason uh, what what um, yeah, did you want to preface uh, this, Sista? Yeah, well, um, when uh, I knew that I was going to be on your podcast uh, to prepare myself i uh, went to uh, crowstown.com and uh, i uh, checked out every uh, dutch uh, show i could find and uh, listened to those uh, so uh, that's that's what i did and this is one that stood out for me because it's like uh, very early in their career i thought that was interesting it's in a small venue and the sound quality is amazing i think for a bootleg so it sounds really really good 
and uh, in general you can really hear that 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 it's, that it's that it's a really really good show that the audience is into it you hear them cheer for an encore and um two encores yeah I, I, it, it, it two encores yeah you're you're right so uh, yeah this one uh, is is one of the shows that that stood out to me also because they played quite a lot of slow songs but it never gets like dull or boring or it doesn't feel like it has a low energy it's just more more of the slower songs so i thought that was uh, that was very cool as well that was one of my comments particularly near the end i i Right. It wasn't like they just had a little acoustic part in the beginning or the middle. Even at the end, near the end of the show, there was a lot of slower versions. We'll talk about that. And I guess not surprisingly, they played Goodnight Elizabeth, which might have been, was that the leadoff song, Chris? Yeah. Uh, Goodnight Elizabeth. Yeah. So that kind of, and that was before it was released on Recovering the Satellites even. Yeah. Yeah. This is a bit pr- well before. Yeah. It's, it's uh, on because we're on the first tour at this point. Um, this actually, it's kind of an interesting story with this tape like it's not that interesting a story but um this show wasn't circulated until and i actually went on crow's town and found it's like until 2008 someone just kind of showed up on crow's town and was like hey i've got this soundboard of a show from 1994 that someone Mm. gave to me and i was just transferring it from tape to cdr and i figured i should share it with people and everyone kind of freaked out and was like oh my god there's a 1994 soundboard we haven't heard um so yeah, I remember like hearing this show for the first time, and it's because it's a it's a great. Sh- it was such a surprise to have it. As you said, the sound quality is incredible because it's a, a beautiful soundboard tape, um, and it, they the band is great. It, they're they're awesome. They're they're it's an awesome night for them, um, and the crowd is so with them. I because I, I don't think two encores was a normal thing for them. Maybe one at that point they were used to, but you can and you can tell because what they end up pulling out is Wise Blood. Right, which is not like if they were going to play that song, that was not an encore song. I think they were out of songs. I think that was like, well, <laughs> if we're going to encore, uh, <laughs> I guess we got to pull out one of the covers because we're out of stuff. Um, you know, like that, that that that's pretty funny. I did besides the slower songs, and I had this mentioned on a couple. And you can, I mean, we could go song by song, or we could just talk about some of our general observations. I besides the slower versions, I I thought that a lot of the songs, I was really impressed. It seemed like they add they had the extra parts, I guess, right? I thought of more Fuller's uh, Good Night Elizabeth. I, I guess more guitar effects on some of the uh, on the Sullivan Street. Clearly, that was near the end. There was just some extra instruments and extra playing that hmm. that I had not heard time and time again. I put a note that there's some extra guitar sound effects. Mister Jones, I said that I could notice the bass more. Although in that one, I thought, well, maybe this was also because. They didn't have the three guitars in the front like they do now, right? Right. So so maybe Matt got a chance to stand out a little more. Um, Chris or Sista, any other observations? Um, I, I will say it is, you know, we, I, not just because this is the name of our show. It's a great version of Sullivan Street. Yes. It's a really, and I feel like I've seen her recently. I feel like I've been looking at stuff around that time. And I think they were, they were playing that song well around this time. But it's a really beautiful version of that song. He's really getting it out of him. Uh, and, and it's gripping. It's really, it's really something. It's really worth uh, going out of your way to hear. And it's no, available and in the Crow's Town archive. I think, I think that's, I, I think that's exactly the kind of stuff that the audience responds to, like being into it yourself, committing to the song, delivering it like with all, um, yeah, with, with so much, um, dedication to the song as well and i i think that's where the, the the energy comes from and that's what they get back from the crowd so i think that really uh yeah it really stands out yeah i, I said that and, that, and that, that's how you get uh, people to ask for a second encore that you don't have prepared so <laughs> <laughs> that, that that's true no i heard i yeah so i i said in anna begins i heard charlie's work more than i usually do live and i already mentioned some of the others like mr jones i heard the bass more uh ghost train i still have never seen live so i i just i i thought that was a great uh the version i made a joke here um chris that i wasn't going to comment on round here because we've already talked about round here live too much mm. on the show um <laughs> A whole episode about it. They and did, this is uh, good, but there's not much to. There's not a, a lot to talk about. No, it didn't stand out the, yeah. compared to the other top ten or whatever we came up. Uh, so you said that they, they, you mentioned the one thing that you had kind of said where that at one point he talked about he was going to quit music, and as as you said during his, I guess somewhat infamous, only because I've heard him mention it on a couple interviews about that backpacking trip where 
he was kind of thinking, what did he want to do after the backpacking trip? Did he want to try music again? Did he want to give up and do something else? I think it's also the trip where he met Anna from Anna Begins. Mm-hmm. Um, it did remind me, though, actually, of the interview last week with Matt Malley, where he said he was close to himself thinking about whether he wanted to uh, kind of give up on music and have a quote unquote traditional uh, career. Um, but one thing interesting for both of you, did you also catch where someone, well, with Omaha, that was earlier, I think someone was yelling about Omaha and then Adam said, okay, someone requested it. So here it is. Although anybody who knows the Cannon Crows, yeah. they would never play a request like that. They always <laughs> have their set list. And it was fun for him to say that though, but, um, uh, yeah, or, or maybe someone from the audience uh, somehow could uh, have a look at the set list. Yes, and, and, and uh, he, help him out a little bit. Someone also yelled, and I again, I didn't right, which which made me think about the next one, where someone yelled out about perfect blue buildings, and then he played that next. Which again, either someone had the set list, or they're just a very lucky guesser about what <laughs> might. Um, well, there's only so many guess. It was easier to guess at that point. There were only so many songs. That's so. that's true. You know, the one one thing that stood out with Omaha was actually that this might, and I know that there are other older versions. I haven't listened to as many older bootlegs, but that's one of the few, um, because Emmy wasn't touring with them at the time, right? So you didn't have that little um, mandolin Emmy strumming section uh, of Omaha. So, okay. And then Marjorie Murder of One was, as I said, I've never really heard a slow kind of version of Murder of One. I wouldn't call it acoustic necessarily, but... Um, definitely is unique compared to the other murder ones, which are high energy, close the, sh- you know, get everybody jumping up and down, and um, yeah, and it, and and that th- that really fits the vibe of the rest of the show, I think. Yes, I mean it would be weird to have that kind of energy going on and that kind of dynamic with the crowd, and then at the end it's like eh, everybody get up. I mean it wouldn't make sense. So yeah, I think it's. Uh... And uh, th- thinking about those uh, encores, I also think that nowadays you would all always keep like a a hit song in your back pocket but of course back then they didn't have that many so that's why they probably had to um, go for Sullivan Street first and then uh, like you said wise blood like okay we need something else to play let's <laughs> let's uh, throw that one in so uh, yeah, and then, at that point they played basically the entire five six seven eight not yeah they played other than raining in Baltimore they played the entire first record and Sullivan Street was the last song they had in the quiver from the first record. Oh, okay. Point. And then of course yeah. they played, uh, not of course, but they played Marjorie and it, it, it is fun now hearing those old shows where they played unreleased songs. Um, it, it's always kind of a treat to hear that. It is also uh, great. The one yeah, thing about I, the 94 shows that's really interesting is that if you just looked at the set list, you'd kind of go, well, it's going to be kind of the same show. It's like, they've only got so many songs. Yeah. They've got these unreleased songs to kind of pepper in. And some of them have been released now, but um. You're right, though, he'd say, like, the way they play the songs is so different on that tour from night to night. They'll just kind of, Animal kind of feels like he's, like, emotionally moving the band in directions that, so, yeah, you might, it might be the exact same set list the next night, but they might have played it a bit more straight ahead. Whereas tonight, they're like, no, I'm I'm grinding this to a halt because that's what I feel and it's going to be slow and it's going to kind of, so there's this kind of cool thing where these songs sound and i think it's one of the reasons again why the band became a, a, a band that people taped and traded and stuff is that it was like it might not sound again it might be the same song but it's gonna kind of sound different the next night um you know even be even beyond like that they were gonna play alts or things like that it was just it wasn't just gonna sound the same every night um and it's just interesting to hear that and this is a great tape and that, also pointing out to, to you, eric that you know the I think one of the reasons you're hearing different things is that there's not that many soundboard tapes in this tour. You know, there's yes. some, and there's some very good audience recordings, but you're listening to a board mix and it's kind of probably helping you pick up different things that you wouldn't have heard if you were listening to an audience tape of this show. Uh, and even the most of the things that we have that are better are like radio broadcasts or TV broadcasts, which are still going to be different than like just a, a tape off the board where it's kind of based on what the guy was mixing and was not mm. really being mixed for people to listen to afterwards, probably. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It's one of the fun things about that is you get to get the different things you can kind of hear depending on what's up in the mix and down, yes. you know, exactly. Sista, did you have something you wanted to add earlier? 
Um, no, I kind of forgot already. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to say something, but um, my my mom always said that. Uh, well, if you forgot it, uh, if you've forgotten it already, it probably wasn't important. And uh, I think <laughs> I think I agree. I saw on um, there's a uh, there's a there's a service on. I think it's related to Amazon. I'll, I'll try to look it up again um, on their streaming TV where you pay extra and you can get some concerts and stuff, but, the, but they're two Cannon Crows ones they have. Oh, you wanted to talk about that, Chris? No, I'm with you. I can't believe I'd forgotten about this. The, but the two the, Cannon Crows ones they have are both in, in the Netherlands, right? That one's in 97 and one's in 99. If my notes are correct. It's a yes, Dutch TV correct, show, correct. right? Like the two, two meter sessions or something like that. Yep. And I, I I've never is, watched uh, them. So, um, so I guess I don't. Well, really... the, the 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 two meters sessions, which uh, are called that way because the host was a quite a tall guy of uh, two meters. Um, they had a, they have a, an excellent catalog of uh, great artists that they had uh, coming over to do a, like a, a, a session and mostly more or less stripped down versions. And uh, oh, the, yeah, the... I'm I'm always a sucker for stripped down versions. That's why uh, the second disc of the Across Wire album. Uh, really pulled me in i i guess but um okay yeah. it's called the coda collection on amazon and uh it's a subscription base i i, I don't know what the price yeah. is but if i think you join it's like for, a few bucks a month oh, five dollars um, a month but if you join you can go and watch the two canon crows specials which are about 30 to 40 minutes each they're not uh super long but they're but it's funny that both of their specials on this coda sessions are both recorded in amsterdam yeah and the, it um hmm. those used that. to be on youtube um, but then uh, Amazon put them out, so they axed, axed those videos that I think were on my channel. Um, what I will recommend from that is there's a really cool version of A Long December from the 97 show where they kind of finished up and they hadn't played it, and Adam ends up playing that song by himself at the piano. It's a really unique and kind of beautiful version of that song uh, well before he kind of was doing those like solo type things. So. Um, that's one reason if you're, if you want to throw five bucks to our corporate overlords, Amazon, um, for one month, for for one month, for one, just for one month. And there's some other (laughs) good stuff on there too. Um, but both sessions are worth seeing, I would say. Um, but the 97 one has that that most special version. 99 one has a really good version of the Graham Parsons song, return of the grievous angel. Um, otherwise it's again, stuff from that tour. And again, it's good. Uh, uh, Both are, both are recommended. So th- thanks, uh, Sista, for giving us a, 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 a little background. But you're right; it says here the two meter sessions or sessions, uh, you know, for sessions they were saying. And but but yeah, we wouldn't have guessed the two meter. Although, as somebody who actually studied some of this stuff, I know I, I guess it still is the case. I know it used to be that the Dutch were the tallest or are the tallest people in the world overall. Yeah, I think so too. Well, we we like to think so ourselves. Uh, but uh, I don't know if they still are. But I, I know. Yeah, I, we. I, and at, at least we we rank up pretty yeah. high, but uh... did uh, I think that was it from my uh, list? I, I did. I, there was one video I wanted to one last video. I'm going to have the playlist that I wanted to mention, and I just wanted to know why you suggested it. I think maybe because you saw it uh, live, but you can tell me that you also had Colorblind from Amsterdam of last year. Um, yeah, that's right. Because I thought it was, um, the, this year it's, it's, so it's not the same performance, but, um, when I went to the show this year, uh, I thought, uh, colorblind was the highlight of the show. And, uh, I also was very pleasantly surprised by, uh, the suite as you, uh, called it. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I just uh, thought, well, maybe, uh, that's a good thing to share as well that, uh, I thought that this year when they played, uh, the, Heineken uh, Music Hall that uh, Colorblind was absolutely, uh, to me personally, was like the the highlight of the show. Okay, thank you but so much. My, nothing special with that version that I sent in. I just couldn't find the version from this year, so that's why I uh, I took another one. <laughs> well, 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 in my very quick unscientific look, Asiste, uh, we'll end with this, that according to my quick Google search, that the Dutch are still the tallest people in the world, but their average height is slightly decreasing over the last couple of years. Mm. So there you I, I, go. I could feel it happening even during <laughs> uh, the recording. Uh, well, there you go. Well, thank, thanks uh, so much. Do you have anything you want to plug? I th- did you tell me that you also have a podcast uh, in the Netherlands? Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, well, actually, it's an uh, English podcast. So if you're not too annoyed with my accent, then you might want to check it out. I've got one uh, about uh, Nirvana, uh, the, called simply called The Nirvana Podcast. And I've got one about Iron and Wine, 
which uh, is also about music, of course. It's called uh, Iron and Wine, My Wife and I, where I uh, made my wife promise to listen to every single Iron and Wine uh, album. And then we uh, discussed it afterwards because I'm a very big fan and she's not so much. So that's uh, how we set it up. That sounds good. I actually saw um, Sam Beam for the first time just a couple weeks ago at a, a benefit thing in New York. And saw I only saw him play for like 20 minutes, but it was terrific. Uh, he was uh, fantastic. And um, yeah, that's all I'll, I'll uh, say that he, he was great. He played because um, it was just a December. He played. He said, I, I'm sorry, I've got nothing but Christmas songs for you. And so he played the beginning of a Christmas song into all of the songs he played. So he would do. <laughs> like little drummer boy into uh an iron and wine song it was very uh it was terrific so uh, maybe i'll oh, check that one out that sounds really interesting so yeah yeah definitely check it out and i also want to thank you guys for for doing this podcast because uh i love podcasts and i love uh, music and i feel uh, that every band that i'm a fan of deserves an own proper podcast and now at least i don't have to make a kind of <laughs> podcast so thank you so much for taking all the this work out of my hands and uh, oh, and also thanks a lot for having me on oh, thank you you're, you're a fantastic guest uh Siste. you you provided some uh information that we didn't know and uh and then of the things we did know before you provided great context and the local perspective which you just can't uh, beat uh and i've never been to your country but i told you i hope to be there in a couple of years maybe 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 they'll even be touring there at that time uh so so thank you so much and we will at some point over the next couple of years um do actually a deep review and want to give more information about the that heineken uh cd because um there, there's there's a lot there i think there's some special performances and it's interesting that they recorded the three uh shows and maybe we'll see if there's any songs that they left off that shouldn't that they shouldn't have and as chris said there's actually you know i guess somewhat bootleg there is video footage of that because that was supposed to have video footage um yeah yeah so so we'll talk but about they, that. They, they, yeah but they just weren't happy with how the video footage turned out right so something yeah, like that not, 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 not to release that so when we do that we will definitely have you back on the podcast so thank you okay yeah. well i'd be happy to join or um, or help in any other way just uh, just let me know thanks and uh, to our fans out there thank you for listening remember you can always write us at sullivan street at uh or sullivan street pc at protonmail.com the uh, email will also be in the description and street there is spelled out thank you so much and we'll see you next episode bye-bye all right yeah.